Adults, please turn again. I said Acts 15 is where we are today. Acts 15, verse 1. In the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, depending on your level of knowledge in the Word of God or your experience in God, this may be a little bit complicated for you. So what, I, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to really focus in on what we're trying to tell you this morning, okay? It's going to be all Bible. It's going to be all Scripture. But you're really going to have to think about what's being said today because you may not really understand what is going on in the passage if you don't. But the title of the message to begin with to help you is Legalism versus Grace. Okay? Legalism versus Grace. Now, legalism is the belief that you can be saved by your own good works. Okay? So, you know, going to church, just going to church, or reading your Bible, or the way you dress, or, you know, even giving to the Lord, those kinds of things, if you think that saves you, then that's legalism, okay? Good works, trying to be saved by being good, okay? Uh, getting your approval from the Lord by how good you are. That's legalism. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is the undeserved favor of God. It is God's enabling power that He gives to you to save you. That's called grace, so you're either saved by, or you think you're saved by good works, or you're saved by the grace of God. So this morning, that's where I'm going with the lesson. Okay? So don't get lost in a lot of things we're going to be reading this morning. We're going to talk about legalism versus grace. How is a man saved? How is he justified before God? And women, of course. Okay, 15 verse 1. If you look at it, Acts chapter 15. Some of the acts of some of the apostles or some of the actions of the Holy Ghost through the apostles. Acts 15, verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea, that's Jerusalem, right? Taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are all nations, all the other nations of the world that are not Jews, that are not Jewish. Okay? That's what a Gentile is. Everybody of all of the nationalities of the world that are not Jewish. That's a Gentile. So let me read verse 3. Being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, all nationalities that are not Jews. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church, and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed. Say with me, which believed. So these are believers in Jesus Christ. They have been born again of the water and the Spirit. Okay? By grace. They're not just, you know, unbelieving Jews. These are believing Jews. 
Okay? So let me read it again there if you'll look at it. Verse 5. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, that's the key, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them. Who? The Gentiles. Okay? Uh, all these people who are coming in the kingdom of God by grace, these Pharisees are saying, well, you need to add something to that salvation. Okay? You are not completely saved. You need to add circumcision to it. Alright? And the Bible says, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So, <clears throat> they recognize that Jesus Christ has come into the world, that He's died on the cross for their sins. These Pharisees have come into the church by grace. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. But they want to make an appendix to this grace of God. They want to add to it the law of Moses and circumcision, physical circumcision. Basically what they're saying is, you cannot experience full salvation without the law and without circumcision. Okay? They're, they're, they're thankful for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. They're thankful uh, that they're filled with the Spirit. They're thankful they're baptized in Jesus' name. But they're saying, what we have to do, we have to add something to all of that. And that's circumcision and the law of Moses in order to be fully saved. And that's going to be the problem. That is going to be, it's going to be major. It is a major issue in the early church as to where does the law of Moses fit into this time of the church. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We thank you for your anointing. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to speak, but I pray that you would anoint every ear to hear. Lord God, we ask that your word would go forth. We thank you for the grace and power of the living Lord Jesus Christ to save us and redeem us. And we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, Acts chapter 14, we saw last week how that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and Mark for a short period of time went all the way up into Galatian territory into Asia Minor. And the Gentiles, the nations of the world, were coming into the kingdom of God. They were believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. And then applying that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in their life, they were baptized in Jesus' name. They were filled with the Holy Ghost after repenting of their sins. So they were coming into the kingdom. Now, there is a temple that is still over there in Jerusalem. And they're still offering sacrifices, animal sacrifices to God. Okay? And that priesthood of Aaron is still going over going on over there in Jerusalem. So what are we going to do with the temple over there? What are they going to do with all those sacrifices? What are they going to do uh, with that priesthood that's uh, offering the sacrifices there in Jerusalem? Does that continue to go on? What about the Sabbath day? Are we supposed to continue to observe the Sabbath day? Are we to continue to observe the Feast of the Lord, like the Feast of uh, Passover, Unleavened Bread, Pentecost, First fruits, you know. Are those feasts of the Lord recorded in the Old Testament that the Jewish people kept? Are we supposed to keep those? Y'all with me so far? Okay. And so that's going to be the question that's going to be covered here. What do we do? Do we add the law of God to the finished work of Jesus Christ? Okay. Do we tell people they need to be circumcised? Do we tell them they need to keep the Sabbath? Do we tell them they need to keep preserving the feasts of the Lord? What do we do with all of these rituals and uh, 
regulations of the Old Testament law. Okay? So that's the great question here. Now, so everybody's rejoicing over there in Antioch of Syria because all the way up into Galatia, the Gentiles, pagans, okay? Pagans who don't worship at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Pagans who don't bring sacrifices to the God of Israel in, in, over there in Jerusalem. These Gentiles, these pagans, okay, are coming into the church because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They are believing in Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection that He is the one that is providing salvation for them from their sins. And they're coming into the kingdom of God and the apostles are not telling them, go to the temple in Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice. The apostles are not telling them to be circumcised in the physical body, which was a token of the Old Testament covenant, right? The apostles are not telling them to keep the feast. They're not telling them to keep the Sabbath day. They're just coming into the kingdom of God by grace and they're receiving the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ by grace. They're becoming born again by grace, having nothing to do with the law of Moses at all. Did you catch that? And in the process of this tremendous rejoicing that the nations are coming into the kingdom of God by grace, unmerited, undeserved, simply because they're believing by faith, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, they're coming into the church, and then all of a sudden, we've got Pharisee believers. Okay? They have come into the church as well, but they want to add the law of Moses to this grace of God and circumcision to this grace of God. So they're going to start going to these Gentiles and telling them, well, it's great that you've been baptized in the name of the Lord. It's great that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. It's great that you've been filled with the Spirit of the Lord. It's great that you've experienced that, but that's not all you need. You need more than Jesus Christ. You need more than His death on the cross and His burial and resurrection from the dead. He's not the only thing that can save you. You need Jesus Christ plus something else. You need Jesus Christ plus circumcision. You need Jesus Christ plus the law of Moses in order to be fully saved. So what they're saying basically, we've got to add the law and we've got to add circumcision to Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And we've got to add that Old Testament law and circumcision to your new birth in order for you to be saved. And that's what these Pharisees are telling People everywhere they go, okay? These long blue robe Pharisees who are zealous for the law of Moses, okay? Now, y'all with me so far? Now, there was a time when the law of Moses, the temple, the sacrifices, physical circumcision, the Sabbath day, the feast of the Lord, all of that was given by God. And it was a holy thing. But it was only a type and a shadow that's pointing to your day of grace. And when Jesus Christ comes in the world, He dies on the cross, He's buried, he, he rises from the dead, and then on the day of Pentecost, He pours out His Spirit on the church, and people are getting baptized in His name and coming in the kingdom. When that happens, there's no more need for the temple in Jerusalem. There's no more need for you to bring an animal sacrifice to God. There's no more need for you to observe the Sabbath day or keep the feast of the Lord, etc., or to be circumcised in your flesh, because that has been fulfilled in the Spirit now. 
There's a spiritual circumcision now. Jesus is the sacrifice. And you are the temple of the Lord. If you are the temple of the Lord, you don't need to go to a temple in Jerusalem and worship God there. You are the temple of the Lord. And you've experienced the rest of God on the inside of you, so you don't have to keep a day uh, called the Sabbath day to try to find rest. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all the feasts of the Lord. Say Amen. So because He's the fulfillment of all of those types and shadows, you don't have to go back to the type and shadow and observe that. That is the whole point of what's happening here. But the Pharisee believers are saying, no, you need Jesus Christ plus all of that in order to experience full salvation. Say, Okay, so y'all with me so far? Now, if you look at verse 1, here's the background of it. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay? Who are they? Verse 5, There rose up certain the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Okay, so let's look at verse 1 again. I don't want to lose you. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Verse 5 tells you who they are. Okay? They are Pharisaical believers. Okay? And they're coming down and they're telling everybody, or actually, they've left Jerusalem, these Pharisaical believers. They've left Jerusalem and they've gone to Antioch over there in Syria, which is the headquarters of the church at that time. And these Pharisaical believers going over to Antioch are telling these Gentile believers who just come into the church that you need to be circumcised in your flesh and you need to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. Okay? And it's causing a tremendous oppression and defeat in the church because they don't think that they're fully saved. Are y'all with me so far? Alright? In between 15.1, chapter 15, verse 1, and verse 2, you have the whole book of Galatians. So let's go to the book of Galatians and let's see what we can glean from the book of Galatians. I'm going to read it to you again. Verse 1 of chapter 15 of Acts. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised, that's in the flesh, after the man of Moses you cannot be saved. So it's Jesus plus circumcision and it's Jesus plus the law of Moses. Do you get it? Verse 5 again, Acts 15.5. But there rose up certain the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Do you understand? Do you understand? Lift your hand. you understand what's going on here? Okay. As I said, between Acts 15 verse 1 and 2, you have the book of Galatians. So go to Galatians chapter 2. Now, I have a great challenge this morning because I'm in America. And, you know, the challenge is that a lot of people are not really really into the Word of God. Uh, they don't spend a lot of time with it. So, when you get into heavy things in the Scripture, people just have a tendency just to put it off, just to go to sleep on you. But I'm going to bring it to you so you'll understand, alright? Galatians 2, please look at verse 11. Now, Galatians 2, what we're going to read here in verse 11 
is we're going to find the church there in Antioch of Syria. It is the headquarters of the Gentile church, basically. Okay? That's where this event's going to take place, in Antioch of Syria. Verse 11 says, Peter's going to go over to Antioch. When Peter was come to Antioch, Paul said, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. What did Peter do that caused the Apostle Paul to stand up face to face with him and correct him? Okay? We've got two apostles here. We've got Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, and we've got Peter, the apostle to the Jews. Peter is over there in Antioch, and Paul walks into the room, and Peter has done something that causes the apostle Paul to go and stand him up face to face. Okay? And Paul is looking Peter right in the face. He's standing right there in front of him. And he is Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, who at one time was a Pharisee. You remember that? At one time, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. So this one-time Pharisee of the Pharisee is going to stand up in the face of Peter, and he's going to rebuke Peter for what Peter has done. Now, what did Peter do? Let's find out, okay? What would cause these two apostles to get into a debate with each other? Why would the Apostle Paul stand up and rebuke the Apostle Peter? What is Peter doing here? Okay? So the Bible says, it gives us the answer, verse 12, for before that certain came from James. Uh-oh, check that out. Okay, keep your hand there in your Bible. Go back to Acts 15.1. Okay, you there? Acts 15.1. All right, you're there in Galatians 2, verse 12. Okay, 15.1, Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the man of Moses, you cannot be saved. Look at verse 12 of Galatians 2. For before that certain came from James. Same event. Okay? There are people who are claiming that uh, these Pharisaical believers claim that they have been sent by James to Antioch. James is the brother of Jesus Christ. James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. James is the one who wrote the epistle of James. This man is revered. This man has a lot of authority in that Jerusalem church. And so these certain men that have come from Jerusalem are claiming that they came from James. That they, okay, we know they have come from James' church over there in Jerusalem. We know that uh, they are born again believers, but they're Pharisees. They travel from Jerusalem, they go up to Galatia, and then all of a sudden something starts happening. Okay? They claim we're from James. James has sent us here, and we gotta straighten something out. But James never sent them. That's what they claimed. They claimed, these Pharisaical believers claimed that they came from James. They're sort of like name droppers, you know. Uh, they're looking for some support, some backup 
to what they're doing, and they say, say, hey, James over there in Jerusalem, we're coming from James. He has sent us down here to make sure you're keeping the law of Moses and to make sure you're being circumcised along with your new birth. But that is totally incorrect. They lied. How do I know that? Because in Acts chapter 15, it will tell you that. They did not, they were name droppers. They, they, you know, they came by association. You understand what I'm saying? So if you look at Galatians 2.12, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So what Peter's doing, remember in Acts chapter 10, Peter, the apostle to the Jews, in Acts chapter 10, we've already covered it. God sent Peter to the Gentiles and Peter told the Gentiles, the nations of the world, how to be saved. Basically, let me keep it simple for you. The Gentiles or the nations of the world found out that they needed to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues after they had repented. And that's all they needed. Okay? As far as salvation is concerned. And it was Peter that preached that message. And so remember in Acts chapter 11, Peter goes back to the church in Jerusalem and James puts his full approval on what is happening in the nations of the world. How that the Gentiles are coming into the church by grace, being baptized in the name of the Lord, filled with the Spirit of the Lord God. And the approval of that Jerusalem church has already been given on what's happening in the nations of the world. So these fellows that come down from Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church, they have not been sent by James. They claim they were sent by James. Because they need a little support. You know, hey, we know James. That's the Lord's brother, you know. I mean, and so because of his reputation, they're using his name to support what they're doing. But James wasn't in it. He already gave the approval on what was happening in the churches, uh, in the nations of the world, how the Gentiles were coming in. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Not that it needed his approval, but he had already said this is of God. So now what we have is Peter over there in in Antioch. Okay. And we've got the Jews in the church, and we've got the Gentiles in the church. And what's happening here is, is that the Jews are sitting down with the Gentiles in one body. Okay? Jewish believers and Gentile believers sitting down in the same church, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Alright? And everything's going great. And they decide we're going to have a supper after church. Okay? So they all sat down together, Jewish believers and Gentile believers, sat down together at the same table, and here comes these long blue robe Pharisees who claim to be from James's church in Jerusalem. They go, wow, these are the believers from James's church. You know, James, he's the brother of the Lord, you know. I mean, he's really, and he was, he was an amazing man. But they're just name droppers. And when these Pharisaical believers walk into the supper that day after church, Peter, what are you doing over here eating with these Gentiles here? Are you here? What are you doing eating with these Gentiles here? And so, uh uh-oh, we got a problem. 
What are the church back there in Jerusalem going to think about you, Peter, when they find out that you're eating with Gentiles? Remember that that um, there is a real, what do you call it? I'm trying to find the word for it. Prejudice, thank you. There is a prejudice. The Jews do not like Gentiles. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Jews wouldn't eat with Gentiles. They wouldn't fellowship with Gentiles because they looked at Gentiles as unclean dogs. But now you got Gentiles and Jews coming in the kingdom of God by the grace of God and they're all eating together and they're all happy. But here comes these Jerusalem Jews who claim to be coming from James's church and they walk in. Hey Peter, I can't believe you would sit here and eat with these Gentiles. You need to separate yourself and you need to sit over here with the Jews. Let the Gentiles eat with them themselves and and all you Jews come over here and you sit down and you eat with, with your, your group here and let's just split this thing. Let's have a Jewish church and a Gentile church. So you Gentiles eat together and you Jews eat together, but as far as us eating, uh, eating all together, you know, Gentiles and Jews together at the same time? No, we can't do that. And what is the Jerusalem church going to think about you? Those Jerusalem Jews going to think about you? Because we came from James, you know. And, and so, what are they going to think about you, Peter? And you know what Peter does? He gets up from the Gentiles' table. And he goes over and he sits down with the Jews. And when the Apostle Paul walks in that room, and he sees the hypocrisy of Peter, Refusing to eat with Gentile believers. That's when this face-to-face rebuke takes place. Okay? Peter, you should be sitting over here with these Jews. These are the law-keeping group. This is the one who've been circumcised in the flesh. And, and that's who you should be with, is these circumcised in the flesh, law-keeping people. You shouldn't be fellowshipping with these Gentiles. They haven't been circumcised in the flesh. They don't keep the law of Moses. They're not completely saved yet. You get this? And Peter, because of the pressure, gets up and sits over with the Jews. The Apostle Paul, as I said, he walks in and he sees this whole event and and this hypocrisy uh, makes him extremely angry. Now the Apostle Paul, you can persecute him. You can beat him, you can stone him, and leave him for dead, and he won't be angry. But when you start trying to destroy the church, he gets mad. Are you here with me now? And when these people who claim to come from James's church in Jerusalem, these Pharisaical believers who say you got to add the law to your salvation and you got to add circumcision to your salvation, and when they show up and Peter gets up from the Gentile table and goes and sits with the Jews, when Paul sees this whole event taking place, that you got to add something to Jesus Christ and the new birth, when he sees that, he lights into the Apostle Peter. Now you got to remember, Peter, we're talking about Peter, man. We're talking about Peter. We're talking about the man who preached on the day of Pentecost. We're talking about the apostle to the Jews. We're talking about the man who God used to bring the Gentiles into the kingdom. And Paul is going to rebuke this man to the face because he got up from the table of the Gentiles who were born again believers in the kingdom of God. 
and walked over and sat down with the Mosaic law-keeping, circumcised believers called the Jews. Watch this. Okay? The Bible says, verse. I'll read it to you again, verse 12, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the what? The circumcision. He fears those who believe that you still need to be circumcised in the flesh. He's full of fear. Okay? This is interesting, isn't it? So we find out that Paul is, is, uh, withstood him, verse 11, Galatians 2, withstood him to the face. Now we find out why. Okay? Again, verse 12, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. Do you get that? Sitting down with the Gentiles, eating with them, having a good old time, enjoying the Lord, fellowshipping with each other in the kingdom of God. You understand? Making no distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. And then when the Jerusalem, these Jews that come from James, Pharisees that say you got to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised in, in, in order to experience full salvation, when they walk through the door, Peter gets up and he goes and sits with those, the Jews. And then Paul walks in. You get the story here. He walks in and he gets on fire. And he goes to Peter and he withstands him to the face. What are you doing, Peter? Okay. You've been intimidated. You were intimidated by these Pharisaical believers. Right. Which claim they were from James. James's church in Jerusalem. Okay, let me read verse 12 again. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the what? Circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So even Barnabas, the son of consolation, that great man of God that we've already seen, has put his approval uh, on what is happening in the nations. We've already seen him in the book of Acts. Even Barnabas, the son of consolation, that good man, gets up with Peter steps away from the table of the Gentiles, okay, Gentile believers, and he sits down with Peter at the Jewish table. And all the rest of the Jews that were sitting with the Gentiles, they get up and they go sit down with the Jews. Alright, y'all with me? So basically what's happening is a division is taking place in the church. And the thought from these Pharisaical believers is that you Gentiles have to become a Jew just like these Jews, in order to be saved. You can't be saved until you become a Jew. Because Jesus, by the way, is a Jew is a Jew anyway. And how can you be saved by a Jewish Messiah without becoming a Jew? That's what they're trying to get at here. But the Gentiles don't have to become Jews in order to be saved. They don't have to be circumcised in the flesh in order to be saved. They don't have to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. But that's what the Pharisee believer was saying. It's good what's happened to you. But you need to become a Jew in order to be, to experience full salvation. That's the point. Okay, so we've got even Barnabas going over there and sitting down with the Jews, you know. And if this thing is not corrected, there's fixing to be a split right down the middle of the church. If this thing is not corrected, you're going to have a Gentile church and a Jewish church. 
And it's going to be fractured right down the middle if this thing is not corrected. Okay? So do the Gentiles have to become Jews in order to be truly saved? Well, we're going to find out. I've already told you no. but <laughs> Okay, so verse 13. Other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not upright according to the truth of the gospel... I said unto Peter before them all, right in front of all, he didn't have a private meeting with him. He rebuked him. He corrected him right in front of everybody that was there. That's how serious it was. Okay? They walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Verse 14, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Wow. That means that Peter has made the shift himself. That Peter doesn't believe that you have to be physically circumcised in order to be saved. Are y'all with me right now? Peter's made the shift himself. He doesn't even believe he has to go up to the temple and bring a sacrifice now. He doesn't have, he doesn't believe he has to, to go and, and worship God under the priesthood of Aaron now. He doesn't even believe you have to keep the Sabbath day and the feast of the Lord. You get that? He's made a shift and he's living like a Gentile. But now he's, he's, he's hypocritin because he's, even though he's living like a Gentile, he's been saved the same way the Gentiles were saved. And the Gentiles are saved the same way he was saved. Now, he's been playing the hypocrite because now he's acting like the Gentiles have to become Jews. And Paul says, you've been living like a Gentile. And now you're trying to compel them, these Gentiles, to live like the Jews? He said, you don't even do that anymore. Wow, this is heavy stuff. This is in the Bible. Okay? Verse 15. He said, we who are of the Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentile, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Can I tell you this? Even the Old Testament men were not justified by the works of the law. Even in the Old Testament they were not justified by circumcision. That means that keeping the law by their own good works and being circumcised that that made them right with God. That didn't make them right with God. In the Old Testament, they were still saved by the grace of God. It wasn't some good work that they did. It wasn't you know, just being circumcised in the flesh that made you right with God. You can be circumcised in the flesh, but your heart still not be right with God. Okay? So in the Old Covenant, circumcision didn't provide salvation for you. In the Old Covenant, keeping the law did not provide salvation for you. The law condemned you. You ought to know that, Jews. So how can you add that to salvation and say, until you experience that, you have full salvation? Until you become a Jew? Say amen. Well, it's quiet in here, but I'm in the Bible this morning. Okay, so verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, correct? but by faith of Jesus Christ. It's by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, His finished work, and being born again. That's what's going to save you, right? 
Verse 16, Know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. He said, even we Jews. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, we know how we, how we got saved. We know how we got justified. He said it was by faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm kind of being nice as I read it. But when the Apostle Paul is confronting Peter, he is as mad as he could possibly be. What do you think you're doing? You know we're not justified by the works of the law, Peter. You know we're, we're justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. We, you know that Jesus is the only way that you can be saved and His finished work. How do you think that you can add the law to the finished work of Jesus Christ and circumcision to that and make that a requirement for salvation when you know you're not justified by the works of the law, you're justified by faith of Jesus Christ? And it's by grace you're saved. It's not by your good works that you're saved. Well, he's getting at him. And, and that was even nice the way I was talking there. Verse 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is there, is there for Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. If we believe in Jesus Christ, and we've been born again of the water and the Spirit, but yet we're still sinners... If you still look at us and declare that we're sinners because we're not keeping the law of Moses and being circumcised, does that make Jesus Christ a sinner as well? Check that out. You walk in here and claim that we need to add to this death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ the shedding of His blood on the cross for our sins and His death on that cross for our sins and He was buried and rose again the third day and poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the Gentiles are coming in by being born again of the water and Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and you're telling us that we got to add the law to it and we got to add circumcision to it or we're not saved, that we're still sinners? Wow, this is the point. You're telling me that i got to become a Jew before I can be saved? So watch. This is where he is. Verse Again, verse 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. He's not the minister of sin. For if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. The purpose of the law was to get me to Jesus Christ. The purpose of the law was to condemn me. The purpose of the law was not to save me. The purpose of the law was to diagnose my problem. The purpose of the law diagnosed my problem that I'm lost, that I need God. I need a Savior. I need, that was the purpose of the law. The law, the law was the x-ray machine that diagnoses the broken bone. But the x-ray machine can't fix the broken bone. The law diagnosed my problem. The law showed me I was a sinner without hope. The law condemned me to death because the law requires absolute perfection from me and I have not lived perfectly. 
So the law is the x-ray machine that shows I'm broken, that shows I have a need. But the x-ray machine can't fix the broken bone. Only the new birth can fix the broken bone. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Give God praise in the house. The law condemns every one of us. If you've broken one part of it, you've broken it all. If you're trying to depend on your own good works, the law condemns you. It says you have not kept the law of God, therefore you deserve to die. So knowing I deserve to die by the letter of the law, and by the way, the law is still in force today, in what way? Showing everybody that's a sinner, they need a Savior. You use the law on the sinner. You show the, you show the sinner the law of God. You show the sinner that he is condemned to death by the law of God. And when he finds out he is condemned by the law, then you show him the grace of God that offers him free salvation, not based on his own good works, but by the work of Jesus Christ dying for you on the cross, shedding his blood, being buried and raised from the dead. So the law of God still is enforced today. It's what you use to show the, the sinner his lost condition. But grace is what saves him. That's where Paul is in all of this. Verse 19, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I don't frustrate the grace of God by walking around and saying, well, God saved me because I'm a good person. I don't frustrate the grace of God by saying, I've, I've kept the law. None of you have kept the law. Every one of you have broken the law. Every one of you. If you've ever said a bad word, if you've ever lied, if you've ever had a bad thought, you have broken the law. So you can't walk through this, walk through life saying, well, I'm good enough to be saved. Nobody here is good enough to be saved. Every one of us have broken the law of God. And that's what Paul is saying right here. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, I was there with Him. Even though I didn't die physically. He died in my place. He died for me and He died as me that I might be saved from the curse of the law. The law said man has to die because of sin. Jesus took my place and died for me because the law has been broken. He died for me so the price could be paid. So for you to come in here and say, we need to add the law of Moses and circumcision to the grace of God. Paul, I'm telling you, friend, he's coming unglued here. He's letting it, you know you're not justified by the works of the law. You're justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. You're crucified. I'm crucified with Jesus Christ. He took my place. Say amen. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? He gave himself for me. Verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. He gave Himself for you. Every one of you and I, in, in, including the preacher preaching to you today, every one of you in this church, desire to die and to, to deserve to die and go to hell. 
Every one of us. If you think you're good enough to be saved on your own good merits, you are going to die and you are going to go straight to hell. You have to have a Savior. And I have to have a Savior. And I'm saved by grace. I'm saved. The unmerited, the undeserved provision of God has come to me. Not because I was worthy. Not because I fasted enough. Not because I prayed enough. Not because I gave enough. Not because I stopped this or I stopped that. Not because my, as a, as a woman, you let your hair grow long or you let your, you wear a dress all the time. That's not why you're saved. It is because of the grace of God. You may do all of that. Hold on. Hold on. Listen to me. You may do all of that and all of that is important. But you're not saved by that you do good works because you're saved not to be saved but because you are saved you will live a holy life and holiness is not legalism 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 is my own good works is what's saving me holiness is living separated unto God and obedient to God because you are a believer there's a big difference say praise the Lord give God worship Verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You catch that? It was never intended. The law was never given to justify a man. The law was given to condemn a man and show them they need Jesus Christ. If you can be saved by your own good works, Jesus would not have had to die for you. You cannot. Oh, yeah, you say, man, I've tried. I've tried so hard to be good enough. Let me tell you something right now. Forget it. You are frustrating yourself. You are driving yourself crazy into thinking that you can be good enough by your own good works. I'm telling you that salvation comes by grace. I don't deserve it. Hallelujah. I can't earn it. I can't purchase it. He purchased it for me. Give the Lord praise in the house. If I could, if I could be saved by keeping the works of the law, if I could get that Old Testament law and read every verse, in it and keep every one of them to the letter. And by the way, nobody has ever done that except Jesus Christ. Except Jesus Christ. That's why He qualified to die. Because He kept the law. He qualified to die for those who broke the law because He kept it. Okay? So if you go through the Bible and say, oh, okay, good, yeah, great. Um, Yeah, I'm getting better every time, all the time. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I stopped smoking and I stopped drinking and I'm even starting to go to church now. Woo! Good for you! But you're still not saved! Well, I stopped beating my wife and she stopped beating me. We're doing a lot better. You're still not saved. You hear what I'm telling you right now? Well, what I'm trying, you can get all your lists and, and write it all down, what you've quit, what you've given up, you know, and, and, okay, yeah, I'm getting, you, you might be getting a little better, but that didn't save you. Because God requires absolute, total perfection. And there is nobody here that has ever done that. So you need somebody to save your wretched soul. Give the Lord some praise in the house. So you can see why Paul is really upset with Peter. 
Because he's siding with the concision, with the circumcision. They say, well, you, we got to keep the law of Moses and we have to uh, be circumcised in order to experience full salvation. He said, you've missed the whole thing and you're a hypocrite. Because you don't even believe, you don't even believe that. Give the Lord praise in the house. So, now, now I haven't even got into Acts 15 altogether yet. Between Acts 15, 1 and 2 is where I am. That's where Galatians 2, 11 and on through is. So let me go back. Go to the first chapter of Galatians 1. Y'all understand where I am? Paul is there in Antioch. These Pharisaical believers have come down and told the church, these Gentile believers, they need to be circumcised. They need to become Jews in order to experience full salvation. And so that's what Paul is dealing with here. Verse 1, Galatians 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. See, these Pharisaical believers are always questioning the authority of Paul. Always trying to put doubt concerning his apostleship. You know, over there in Acts chapter 9, when Paul got converted on Damascus, he got some kind of strange doctrine, you know, that Jesus was enough. That's where they're coming from. And they're always challenging his apostleship. If he was really a true apostle, he would say, Jesus plus the law. If he was true apostle, he would say, Jesus plus circumcision. They're always questioning his apostleship all the time because he's preaching the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, the undeserved favor of God that has come to us because of Jesus Christ. And so he writes these Galatians. Now remember, the Galatians, the first, the first missionary tour, the Galatians are coming in the church by grace. Okay? You with me? But these Pharisees, Pharisaical yeah. believers yeah. that say you got to add the law and circumcision, you got to become a Jew in order to be saved, they're going all the way up into Galatia now. And those churches in Galatia are starting to move over to their point of view. And so I gave you the background in between 15, 1 and 2 of what Paul did with Peter. But then Paul's going to have to write this letter to the Galatians and he's going to have to fix all this mess. So he's going to defend his apostleship. He says, I'm an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. No man gave me my apostleship. Nobody voted me into my apostleship. Nobody, no man put me in this office. He said, Jesus did it. You go through, you're going around and you're trying to, are these Pharisaical believers trying to, uh, cast doubt on his authority as an apostle? He said, no, nah, my apostleship's of Jesus Christ, it's not of men. In verse six, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the what? Grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That's those Pharisaical believers from Jerusalem that's come down to Antioch. He said, they can, they're troubling you. Woo, give God praise. I feel, it, I feel the Holy Ghost now. He said, there's not another gospel, but there's some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to change it up. They want to add to the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, we being the apostles, Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. 
as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that you have received, let him be accursed. You get it? Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Get the background. Get, get the emotion of the Apostle Paul. Not just the letter. Chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Oh, that's strong, isn't it? Be nice, Paul. Oh, foolish Galatians. One translation has it, you stupid idiots. I, I kid you not. You stupid idiots. Well, I, no preacher would talk to us like that. Oh, foolish Galatians. One translation. Oh, you stupid idiots. Who hath, watch this, bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. You know Jesus Christ was crucified. Um, are y'all here right now? You know that's the message of the gospel. You foolish Galatians. You stupid idiots. Who has come in and bewitched you? Who's cast a spell on you? Somebody's cast a spell on you. Foolish Galatians. Woo. Now that's the emotion of it. It's not like, it's not like, oh foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you that you should uh, not obey the truth? Oh no, no. Oh foolish Galatians. Who hath you? I'm telling you, he's breathing fire. I'm telling you, sweat's running down his face. I'm telling you, he is angry. And as I said, you can persecute him, you can stone him, leave him for dead, and he won't get angry like this. But because somebody's trying to destroy the church, he is angry. Sweat's running down his face. He said, oh, you foolish Galatians, you stupid idiots. Who has bewitched you? Oh, give God praise in this house. He's on fire when he preaches it. He's on fire when he speaks this word. Whew. Verse 2. This only what I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Did you get the Holy Ghost because you were keeping the law? Did you get the Holy Ghost because you were circumcised? He said no. He said it was because you put your faith in Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. That's why you got the Holy Ghost. Not because you were good enough. Not because you found a way to be approved in the eyes of God on your own. That's where He's going. He's fired up here. No wonder he got in the face of Peter. Verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You began in the Spirit. You had the life of God come in you. You've been born again. You've been saved. And now you think that you... Alright, did you get the Spirit because you were good enough? The answer is no. It was by grace. And then now, since you've been born again, you think that having begun in the Spirit, you can end in the flesh? That you can be good enough by the flesh? Say, are y'all with me right now? Verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? 
Have you suffered so many things in vain if it be yet in vain? Remember, we showed you what they went through. Those Jews coming down, persecuting them. We saw Paul was stoned, left for dead by that Jewish faction that has come into the church of Galatia. Said you suffered. You were persecuted for the faith in Jesus Christ. And now you're going to give all that up? Have you suffered so many things in vain if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministered to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. Doeth it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Jesus has ministered the Spirit to you. He's working miracles among you. Is He doing it by the works of the law? No. Come on somebody. It's because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And the fact that He died for you. That you just got the Holy Ghost. It was a free gift. Your salvation was a free gift from Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost that you received was a free gift from Jesus Christ. The signs, miracles, and wonders that broke out all around you was a free gift from Jesus Christ by His grace. Not because you deserved it, but because of His mercy and grace. It was His free gift to you. These miracles wasn't because you were good enough. It's because of the grace of God. That's why a lot of times... You see somebody coming to church. They know they don't deserve to be saved. They know they don't deserve to be healed. They don't deserve a miracle in their life. But they'll come to the front and they'll be prayed for and they'll get their healing. They'll come to the front and they know, they know their wretched condition. And they'll ask God to forgive them of their sin based on the blood of Jesus. And God will wash them and cleanse them from their sin. And they get the Holy Ghost by grace. And they stand there speaking in tongues. They know they didn't get the Spirit of God because they were, they deserved it. They got it because He died for them on the cross by grace, how you say, through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift from God. When you come up to the altar and you stood there, did God fill you with the Holy Ghost because you deserved it? Well, a lot of times people come to the church off the street and get their healing. And the church person sitting in the pew, they'll come from prayer and not be healed. You know why they're not healed? Because when they go to the altar, they think they deserve it. Give God praise. Anything and everything that I have ever received from God was a gift from Him that I did not deserve. Give the Lord praise in the house. My salvation is based on Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. My being filled with His Spirit, speaking in other tongues, was a gift from Him because of what He did for me on that cross. My healing is a gift. Even my repentance was granted unto me. Your repentance was a gift. The Holy Ghost was a gift. Your baptism of uh, of water and remission of sin was a a gift from God. It wasn't a work of the law. Repentance is not a work of the law. It's a gift from God. Water baptism in Jesus' name is not a work of the law. It's a gift from God. Getting the Holy Ghost is not a work of the law. It's a gift of grace. And all you just have to do is recognize I'm a sinner. I don't deserve it. But He died for me on that cross, shed His blood. And He rose from the dead. I believe He's alive today. And He died for me. So I'm coming. I'm asking Him to forgive me. That's a gift. I'm asking Him to cleanse me. That's a gift. I'm asking Him to save me. That's a gift. I'm asking Him for the Holy Ghost. That's a gift. Everything 
in this New Testament salvation is God granting eternal life to you. I don't care how bad you are if you just believe what I'm preaching to you today. So he says in verse 5 again, He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth it by the works of the Lord, by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham was saved before he got circumcised. Circumcision was a, a rite or an event connected to the covenant of Abraham. And God says, look at Abraham. Abraham was justified before circumcision was given. And then after he was circumcised, he was still justified by faith, by grace. So before circumcision and after circumcision, Abraham was still justified by faith. He was a Gentile at one time whom God saved, who was not circumcised. And God saved him when Abraham was a Gentile before he was circumcised. And then after Abraham got circumcised and became a Hebrew, he was still justified by faith. It was still the grace of God. So before he was circumcised, he was a Gentile. God saved him. After he was circumcised and becomes a Hebrew, he's still justified by grace. And circumcision was confirmed under the law of Moses. But it never brought salvation. Give God praise. Give God praise in the house. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Look at that. So Abraham was saved by faith before he was circumcised as a Gentile. A type of Gentiles coming into the kingdom right now. And he was saved by faith after he was circumcised. Just like Jews that are coming into the faith right now. It's by faith. You with me? It's by grace through faith. And that not of yourself. It is a gift from God. Come on. Are y'all, when did Abraham get saved? When he got circumcised in the flesh? No, before he was circumcised in the flesh. But because he was saved, when God told him to circumcise, he did. Hear me now. Hear me now. So at one time, even Abraham was a Gentile that God saved. He said, you're telling us now that all these Gentiles that are coming into the kingdom of God by grace, they have to be circumcised. When you know Abraham, your father, was saved as a Gentile before he was ever circumcised and circumcision is a mark of the Abrahamic covenant confirmed by law. And you're telling us we got to add that to these Gentiles? As you can see, I'm not going to finish. What time is it? Is it 11.30 or 12.30? That's good. I thought it was 12.30. I haven't, we haven't run the clock back. Maybe I will finish. I'm going to get you out of here plenty of time to eat. Don't worry. Verse 7, Know you therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. Whether you be Jew or Gentile, he says by faith when you're saved, you become a child of Abraham. I'm looking at the children of Abraham today because you have been born again of the water and spirit. 
by grace through faith. And because that you have experienced the spiritual circumcision, not the physical circumcision, but the spiritual circumcision of the heart by being born again of the water and the spirit that, that produces spiritual circumcision in your heart. Give God praise. Oh, let's jump over to chapter 4. I don't have time to read the whole book of Galatians to you. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, Paul said something has changed. You're now in the fullness of time. You're not under that mosaic economy anymore. You're not, you don't have to be circumcised anymore. There has been a change in time. You're in the fullness of time. This is fulfillment days. Give the Lord praise in the house. So in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Look at that. That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I tell everybody in this church, I don't know what your background is, but you can become a son of God. An heir through Christ. I don't know what you've done, but by God's grace, God can save you. I tell you today, there are some standing before you and some sitting beside you that have been saved. And if you knew the life they were in, it would blow your mind that God could save somebody like that. That God could save somebody like this preacher. I am a miracle of His grace. I'm not worthy to be saved. I'm not worthy to even stand before you and preach this morning. I am not worthy. It's by the unmerited grace of God that I am what I am. And God can do it for you. And those of you who knew what you used to be, and you know what God has done in you, those of you who know that you're saved by grace, stand here free, stand here rejoicing, because you know it wasn't you joining a denominational system. It wasn't because you were a this or a that. It's because you became a born again believer of the water and spirit because of what Jesus did for you. Give God praise in the house. So in a sense, we have a similar thing today. People walk in the world, walk through the world, say, I'm saved. Why are you saved? Well, I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Church of Christ, or I'm a Pentecostal, or I'm an Apostolic, or I'm a, I'm a this, or I'm a that, or I'm a Catholic, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I'm an Episcopalian, or whatever. That doesn't save you! Oh, foolish creations! Who have bewitched you? Somebody's put a spell over you. If you think you can be saved by being a member of a denominational system, you're under a spell. You, I'm not going to call you stupid idiots, but he did. 
Foolish, foolish Galatians. Split hell wide open, man. Or split hell wide open if you put your confidence in that. Jesus Christ. I don't put my faith in, in, in being any particular denominational system. No, no, no. My faith is in Jesus Christ. And if I could preach to you today, it's not because I deserve it or I'm worthy of it. It's because He has enabled me by His Spirit to preach to you today. I'm nothing without Him. I'm ab- You're looking at a man that's absolutely nothing without Him. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I deserve to die and go to hell. One for Jesus Christ. Was it for Jesus Christ? I tell you today, was it for Jesus Christ? Don't let the suit uh, mess with your mind. Don't let the tie mess with your mind. The pretty shoes, whatever. Forget that foolishness. I'm nothing without Jesus Christ. I deserve to die and go to hell. And so do you. So do every one of you here today. And even Abraham knew that. Uh, Abraham knew that. And circumcision was a a sign of the covenant of Abraham, not the law of Moses at the beginning. It was a sign of the covenant of Abraham. And then later it was confirmed under the law. You understand what I'm telling you? But it didn't bring salvation then or now. And keeping the works of the law then or now doesn't save you. That's what Paul's trying to get at here. And these guys coming around saying, we need to add that to this. You can understand why he's really upset. It's going to split the church right down the middle. And so, this is where Paul's coming from when he writes the, the book of Galatians. Chapter 5. I'm going to jump way over there. Chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We, you fulfill the law because you've been filled with the Spirit of God. That life of God that's in you is fulfilling the law of God. You need to hear that today. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You don't have to become a Jew. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. Give God praise in the house. Those ritualistic regulations of that Old Testament ceremonial law. You don't have to keep those. You still have to obey the moral law of God. Oh, hallelujah, as a believer. But those regulations of circumcision, etc. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Chapter 6. That's why some people come around me and tell you, you need to keep the Sabbath day. And 
You need to keep this face in. You need to keep that face in. You need to keep this face in. You need to keep that face in. You know, and, and pretty soon they're going to be telling them I'm going to need to be circumcised. Well, I'm going to tell them I got them covered both ways. So I got you. But I'm going to tell you right now. If even if I tried to keep one of those things, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't have the, even the, the the I wouldn't have an idea how to keep them. And how can you keep them when the sacrifice had to be a part of that festival? How can you keep the feast and not bring a sacrifice with you? How can you say Jesus is the sacrifice and fulfill the sacrifice and not say that Jesus fulfilled the feast? You're the temple of God. You're the temple of God. You have the circumcision in the heart by the Spirit. He is your blood sacrifice. He is your sacrifice. I don't agree. Well, okay. I didn't ask you to. Watch. For if Jesus, verse 6, chapter 5, verse 6, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor circumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? I'm going to jump away over to 6. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself. You know what? I jumped a little bit too fast. Let me jump, go to verse 16 of chapter 5. This I say then, walk in the what? Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You couldn't stop sinning if you tried. If you weren't... If you haven't been changed on the inside, you could try and try and try and keep failing, failing, failing. You have to be changed from the inside before you can be changed on the outside. you got to get the power of God in you. To stop fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. I sat in front of a man in jail, in the jails, Thursday, and uh, talking to him about the new birth a little bit. He said, You know, he said, at one time my whole life was lit, just given to the flesh. He said, Lusting after everything, lusting, 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 just controlled by the flesh. He said, I needed salvation. He's standing behind bars. You ought to listen to him. You ought to hear what he has to say. He said, I'm not in a book to tell you the way not to live. He said, I live that way. He said, But I'm telling you, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way to live. He got sick and tired of the lust of the flesh. He got sick and tired of sin in his life. He got sick and tired of the ways of the world. And now he's sitting behind bars and said, It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. He said, I'm writing a book. I'm giving my testimony. Coming right out of his mouth, you know. We started having a real good conversation and here comes the warden. Time for you to go. Can we stay a little bit longer? No, it's time for you to go. We got to do a pat down. <laughs> pat down, yeah. Man, I don't know about that. I don't know about that lifestyle. But I tell you what, Jesus is the way. How many of y'all believe? <laughs> Those of you who have been born again of the water and the spirit today, who have been saved by the grace of God, ought to be the most happy, <laughs> thankful, joy-filled people that the world has ever seen. Because you know what you used to be and you know what God has done in you. And you know you tried. You tried to be good. You tried to be good. 
You tried to go to church, turn over a new loop, try to stop all that bad stuff, you know, and you found out, I just can't do it. Let me tell you, I was in your shoes. I tried to turn over a new leaf. I tried to stop sinning. I couldn't do it. But when I was water baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, a circumcision took place in my heart. It cut that sin nature. It defeated that sin nature in me. And I walked away and I had power to overcome the flesh. Had power to overcome lust. Had power to overcome sin. Had power by the grace of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's what that man in jail said. He said, I got tired of it. Tired of it. I couldn't, couldn't overcome it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Legalism or grace? How were you saved? By good works? Because you went to church? Because you joined a denomination of your choice? You stop this and stop that? You can do all of that and still be lost. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. By faith. Amen. Give the Lord praise for what He's done in your life. You can see why Paul was so fervent. You can see why he was so emotional. You can see why the sweat's running down his face. Have somebody come along and say, we got to add this to Jesus Christ. Oh, foolish Galatians. Add the law, add circumcision to that? No. No, no, no. 16, this I say then walk... 5.16, Galatians 5.16. This I say then walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it lists all the lusts of the flesh. The, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. The Spirit against the flesh. They're constantly a war. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are no, not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You catch that. And then he talks about the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, and on and on it goes. He lists them. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. Law can't produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Law cannot produce that. Only the Spirit of God can produce that in your life. You want more love? The Spirit will fill you with love. Love, joy. You want more joy? The Spirit gives you joy. Love, joy. Peace, you want peace? The Spirit gives you peace. Long-suffering, you want to be more long-suffering? The Spirit gives you... Love, joy, peace, love, suffering, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. That's the way. Walking in the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. That overcomes that old sin nature that's in you. That fulfills the law of God Almighty. That was the purpose of it. To lead you to Jesus so you'd be saved. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. When you do that, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you walk in the, flesh, in the Spirit. It's only when you yield to the flesh that you start walking in those lusts again. Give God praise in the house. This can be a part of your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. That can be what your life can be all about. 
or it can be governed by the works of the flesh. But it's only through Jesus Christ and the new birth that you can be changed. You can't change yourself. He's got to change you. I'm going to get out of the book of Galatians go back and finish 15th chapter. Verse 11 of chapter 6, he said, You see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hand. As many as, as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only let, lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. The reason why these Pharisaical believers are telling you that you need to be circumcised, you need to become a Jew, and then we've already found out also they were saying you need to keep the law of Moses, is because they wanted to put on a show. A fair show of the flesh. It was fleshly. Are y'all hearing with me now? You, you see what he's saying? And so they would not be persecuted. You got it? So they wouldn't be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. Look at that. Even those people who are circumcised, they don't keep the law. Praise God. But desire you to have, verse 13, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. God made you a new creature by the new birth. Your circumcision... Colossians 2, go there real quick. What is your circumcision? It's not fleshly. It's spiritual circumcision of the heart. Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. It's spiritual circumcision now, not physical circumcision. Water baptism in the name of Jesus is your New Testament circumcision that puts you in covenant with God. Your sins have been blotted away, been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to Galatians back. Get back to Galatians. Uh, 6.15 For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them and mercy upon the Israel of God. Did you catch that? Ooh, that is so powerful. He's letting you know that when you become born again believer, you experience spiritual circumcision. What is that? Let me get plain. You repent of your sin. You say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Bad words, bad things I've done, bad thoughts I've had. 
That's repentance. You get water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, those sins are washed away. That is spiritual circumcision. That cuts away the old, the power of the old sin nature. It removes the sin out of your life. You come up out of that water, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, and when you experience that, you have experienced spiritual circumcision. And that puts you in covenant with Jesus Christ. Give the Lord praise in the house. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So there's a new creation that's taking place. A new birth. For in Christ Jesus, verse 15, chapter 6 of Galatians, circumcision availeth anything nor in circumcision but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them in mercy and upon the Israel of God. You become the seed of Abraham. You become a part of the true, the true, the true seed of Abraham. Not natural, not the natural seed, but the spiritual seed of Abraham. Give the Lord praise in the house. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I've got the stigmata. He said, you want to see marks? He said, I'll show you more than a circumcisional mark. He said, I'll show you the stripes on my back for him. I'll show you where those rocks hit my flesh when they stoned me and left me for dead. He said, I'll show you. You want to see marks? He said, I'm covered with the stigmata of Jesus Christ. Got marks all over me. Look at the marks on my back. I've been, he said, I, this is because of Jesus Christ. Not because I keep the law. Not because I've been circumcised in the flesh. He said, because I preach the grace of God, the gospel. This is why, he said, this is why I got the marks on my back. I'll show you marks. Oh, are you with me today? Go over to Galatians 3. I think I need to get this verse for you. Galatians 3, 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith. Galatians 3, 23. Which should afterward be revealed. Verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. That means right standing by faith. But after that, faith has come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as, watch this, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When you got water baptized in Jesus' name and you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you put on Christ. You were baptized into Christ. That's how you, that's how you became a child of God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Lift your hands and give God praise for His grace. I thank God for His salvation. Let's finish it up. Go to 15. Acts 15, where we started the whole thing. 
Verse 1, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. We've got to add that. We've got to add circumcision to the law of Moses. Verse 2, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Why? Because these Pharisaical believers came from Jerusalem. It wasn't because the church in Jerusalem was the mother church. There's no such thing as the mother church. You catch that? Well, we got to check with headquarters. That's not what was going on here. They weren't checking with headquarters. They weren't checking with the mother church. The problem came from Jerusalem, so they got to take it back to where it came from, and they've got to deal with the problem where it came from. It's not about a mother church. It's not about going to headquarters and checking it with headquarters. That's foolishness. It's about going to where the problem came from. Those Pharisaical believers came or said they came from James's church in Jerusalem. So here we go. We got Paul. We got Barnabas. We even got Peter. They leave Antioch and they go to Jerusalem where James is the pastor. James, are you really telling us that we need to add the law and circumcision? Is that what we're supposed to do? We better get this straightened out. Paul's already written the letter to the Galatians in between verse 1 and 2. And verse 3, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and Samaria, declaring, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all the things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Okay, so we got these Pharisees, these long blue robe Pharisees now. Let me just tell you something. Paul and Barnabas and Peter are fixing to blow their robes off. Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, anyway. They're fixing to, he's fixing to blow their blue robes right off of them. They stand up. Oh, yeah, they, you know, they want to make a fair show. Well, we are, you know, the circumcision and, and we keep the law of Moses and we think we, you know, we're, we're more completely saved than these people are. They're really not fully saved. So, oh, yeah, now watch this. Watch this. You're going to see it. Okay. The Bible tells us they rose up. So we got them standing up there. Certain of the secretary, Pharisees, which believe, saying, it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. So we had this huge conference, this theological conference in Jerusalem. It's the first great theological conference of the church. We've got to determine what do we do with this situation. Do the Gentiles need to become Jews or not? Say amen. Give the Lord praise in the house. Huge theological conference around A.D. 52. And when there had been much disputing, here we go, Peter rose up. Wonder if Peter learned his lesson. Oh, Paul already got in his face. Peter, you're the one that saw Cornelius, the first Gentile, get baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the Holy Ghost. And here you're acting like that, saying, you know, did he learn his lesson when Paul corrected him? Let's find out. How many of y'all think he did? If you, if you think Peter learned his lesson, would you lift your hand? How many even... Okay, praise the Lord. You're doing good. If you've been with me up to this point, you're doing real good because this is not light stuff. It's heavy. 
Say, you're doing, I commend you. You're doing real good. Everybody here, you're doing real good. Praise the Lord. Maybe I'm just anointed. Hallelujah. You know, as, you guys, when you get drunk on the Holy Ghost, everybody looks good. So maybe I'm just anointed with the Holy Ghost and you all look good to me. Anyway, forgive me. All right, here we go, here we go, Peter. We're going to see where you stand here. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among the, us that the Gentiles by mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Acts chapter 10. And God which knoweth the hearts, watch this, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost. Look at that. Gave them, these Gentiles that didn't keep the law, and these Gentiles that weren't circumcised, these Gentiles who had not become a Jew first, God gave them the free gift of the Holy Ghost without all of that. Did you catch that? Peter's doing good. He learned his lesson. Now Paul's over there got his eye on him. Because Paul's in this same conference. wonder what Peter's going to say today. And Peter's over there, you know, he's kind of looking at, he sees Paul and Paul going. <laughs> so Peter rose up and said, what? I'm going to read it again. Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What happened when they heard the gospel and believed? And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, the witness that they believe, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us. Who's the us? Peter's a Jew. They got the Holy Ghost just like we did without becoming a Jew. They heard the Gospel, they believed, and God gave the witness of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord! Let me just let me just let you in on something, honey child, juicy fruit, sugar plum. It's not just coming to the, the front of the church, shaking the pastor's hand and saying, I'm a believer. When you really believe, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the witness that you really are a true believer. Hallelujah. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. God cleansed their hearts. Purified their hearts. Removed the sin. When did that happen? When they were baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Their sins were washed away. One event. Holy Ghost baptism. Purifying of the heart. One event. Not two. One event. It's only, the new, it's only America that does that. You know, we go accept Jesus as our personal Savior. Then we get baptized. Then we get the Holy Ghost and we make it three or four. No, it's one event. When you believe you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have your hearts purified. How? By faith. He said, by faith, verse 9. Now therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Say grace. Not by the works of the law. 
He did good, didn't he? I'm almost done. I know you're getting hungry. Give me 15 minutes. They're not going to be ready for you anyway. You're going to go stand over there and just go wait around for food. Give me 15 minutes. Let me just, let's utilize our time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He did good. Paul sat back down. Way to go, Peter. You know that's right. You're the one that preached it to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. 10.43, repent and be baptized. Everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You preached that message. You saw them come in. You saw Cornelius come in by faith. You saw him believe in the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You saw him receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. You saw him get baptized in Jesus' name. In fact, you ordered him to. You saw how they came in. Good job, Peter. You got it right. And then here comes Paul and Barnabas. Now they're going to stand up. Okay? And they're going to give their testimony. They were the ones that went on that first missionary journey. They took them all the way up into Galatia, Asia Minor. They had just finished it and saw all these pagan Gentiles coming into the church without keeping the law of Moses, without being circumcised, without keeping the Sabbath, without going to the temple up there in Jerusalem. Oh, hello. Without keeping any of the feasts. They all just came into the kingdom without becoming a Jew. They just witnessed that. He's an apostle to the Gentiles. So he stands up with Barnabas here. It's time for them to be heard. And what did they say? Then all the multitude kept silent and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul declaring that what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Look at this. What are you going to do with this? They're not having to become Jews. But they're coming to the kingdom of God. How? By believing. By faith. By receiving the Holy Ghost. By having their hearts purified. By faith. Now watch. Here we go. Now here we go. James. Remember that the one that the, those Pharisaical believers said sent them? Okay, here he is, James. He's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He is a Jew through and through. Hallelujah. He wrote the epistle of James. He's the Lord's brother, half-brother. Okay? He's a very powerful man in the church. So now James is going to give his the final decision on this. Okay. After they had held their peace, we got the Pharisees giving their point of view. We got Peter. We got Paul and Barnabas. Now here comes James. James after saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto us. Simeon hath declared. That's Peter, by the way. Peter, you know. And he's so Jew. James Jew through and through. I'm telling you, man. He's a born again believer, but he's Jew through and through. So he doesn't say Peter. He says Simeon. His Hebrew name. Okay, you got that, right? That's good. Simeon hath declared, this is Peter, how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name. These Gentiles getting baptized in the name of the Jewish Messiah all over the world and having the blood applied to their life and their sins remitted. Taking out from among the Gentiles a people for His name and to disagree the words of the prophets as it is written. He goes to the Old Testament prophet. He said, this is in the Old Testament. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof and I'll set it up. Notice James doesn't say that God is going to come and rebuild the tabernacle of Moses. That's critical. He says He's going to build the tabernacle of David. Did you catch that? If James says 
that God is going to rebuild the tabernacle of Moses, every one of you in here need to get circumcised in your foreskin, start keeping the Sabbath day, keeping the law of Moses. Are you all with me right now? Oh, come on. Are you hearing me? It's the tabernacle of David. Where is he, read, where is he citing this from? Amos 9 verse 11. Go to Amos 9. I'm going to explain what's going on here. It's going to bless your heart because... James is going to use Old Testament Scripture. He's going to give a final decision. Amos 9.11 In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen, close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up its ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. God said, I'm going to build the house of David again. The tabernacle of David. The worship. The worship that took place at the tabernacle of David. And also the throne. Somebody is going to sit on the throne of David. His greater son, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the greater son of David, is going to sit on the throne of David. That's the tabernacle of David. And the worship that took place at the tabernacle of David will be restored. Did you catch that? Okay. Okay, if you'll give me ten minutes, I'm going to explain to you what he's saying. You have the tabernacle of Moses in the promised land. Sacrifices being made to God under an Aaronic priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron. Okay? Circumcision of the Old Testament. This is going on the tabernacle. Uh, can you see it up here? I don't know if you can. But this is the tabernacle of Moses right here. If you can't see that, look on that back wall right there. That's the tabernacle of Moses right there. Aaron's offering sacrifices. Circumcision. Levitical priesthood. The keeping of the Sabbath day. The keeping of the feast. All this is going on in relationship to the tabernacle of Moses. Correct? Watch what David does. David builds a different tabernacle. He goes to the tabernacle of Moses... He gets out of the tabernacle of Moses in the most holy place, the Ark of the Covenant. He takes the Ark of the Covenant out of the most holy place of the tabernacle of Moses, carries that Ark of the Covenant, and puts it in a tent that he pitched called the Tent of David in his backyard. They're still over there at the tabernacle of Moses with no Ark in the Holy of Holies. still in the mosaic type of order of worship with no ark, no presence of God in the Holy of Holies. The ark of God, the presence of God has been taken and put in another tent. And what David did was he offered dedicatory sacrifices at his tabernacle. And once that sacrifice was made, church, he took that ark and put it inside of that tent. That ark never went back into the tabernacle of Moses, never again. After those sacrifices were made at the tabernacle of David, those initial sacrifices, they put that ark in the tent, and you know what they did? They started offering spiritual sacrifices. No more sacrifice by blood there, because the sacrifice has already been made. 
those dedication sacrifices, those sacrifices were the only ones. Once those sacrifices were made, no more blood sacrifices at the tabernacle of David. They kept offering them over there at the tabernacle of Moses with no ark there. So now the blood's already been shed. The ark is put in the temp, the tent of David and they worship God in spirit and in truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How? Singing and dancing and rejoicing. Leaping up with joy and victory and celebration and singing to that ark. Praising that ark, the presence of God. Singing to God who's on the throne. Praising the one that's on the throne. Singing to Him. Playing with musical instruments 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. No blood sacrifice because it's already been made. No priesthood of Aaron. It's over there. The tabernacle of Moses. No priesthood of Aaron. So what we have, and guess what? Would you believe that at the tabernacle of David, the Gentiles were coming up and worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the tent of David that had the ark in it. Gentiles, just like you and me, walked up there and started singing praises to God, worshiping God. No Aaron priesthood. No blood sacrifice. It's already been made. So what James is saying, if you want to know what's happening right now, is the Gentiles and the Jews are coming into one body, into one church, together in that church. Gentiles do not have to become Jews in order to be saved, but they're coming into the tabernacle of David. That's how God is restoring it, is by bringing Jews and Gentiles together into a church setting. No priesthood of Aaron, but a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. And that priesthood declares that the work is finished. No more sacrifices needed because Jesus is the sacrifice. And so because the sacrifice has already been made, Melchizedek in Genesis 14 brings in his hand the emblems of the finished work, bread and wine. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And so now, James, you're not under the tabernacle of Moses, an Aaronic priesthood, the Sabbath day, or physical circumcision. You don't have to keep the feast. You are in a new order of worship. It is a order of worship after the tabernacle of David. The sacrifice has already been made. Jesus Christ shed his blood. Now come into the church as a Gentile and a Jew by new birth and worship him in spirit and in truth no temple you are the temple no Sabbath day because the rest of God has come inside of you no need for an erotic priesthood because the sacrifice of blood has already been shed so that's what you're a part of today a brand new order of worship after the order of Melchizedek not after the order of Aaron Give God praise in the house. You don't have to bring that Jew or that Gentile over here and circumcise him. He doesn't have to go to the temple over there. He doesn't have to bring a sacrifice. He doesn't have to come under the priesthood of Aaron. Just bring it to the tabernacle of David where the sacrifice has already been made. Where he can worship God in spirit and in truth. This is the way that the Jew and the Gentile both 
will be saved in this day. It's a brand new order. A brand new order. Don't let anybody add circumcision to it. Don't let anybody add an ironic priesthood to it. It's a Melchizedek priesthood. Don't let anybody add to it. The Mosaic law. Oh, are y'all with me now? By grace. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Gentiles and little kids. I'm telling you, friend, was, they've never seen anything like it. They're at the tent of David. Little kids worshiping God. And, and also, Gentile nations of the world worshiping God. Obed-Edom. Uh, Jesus' name. Give God praise in the house. Worshiping God in spirit and truth. You understand what I'm telling you? At the tabernacle of David, there was no such thing as an Aaronic priesthood. It had been fulfilled. That's what the book of Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews is trying to get you to understand. You are come to Mount Zion. You are not come to Mount Sinai, but you are come to Mount Zion. That's where the tabernacle of David was located. You're in the new covenant now. It's a new birth. It's a new creation by the Spirit. Come into the kingdom by grace and be born again and worship Him in spirit and in truth. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to keep the the seventh day. You don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to bring your blood sacrifice. You don't have to go to heaven anymore. It is finished. That's what James is telling them. That's where you are. He didn't come to restore the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David. So when you see us in here and we're worshiping and we're praising God, we know what we're doing. We're in the tabernacle of, of David. Praise God. We're in the house of David. We're the seed of Abraham now. Types and shadows are fulfilled. No, okay. So anyway, let me finish it. You've been really good. Yeah, I got five minutes. Okay. Mm, could you do this? Verse 17. He said, The residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called. These people have had the name of Jesus called over them in baptism. They have been given the Holy Ghost. God bear witness them, giving them the Holy Ghost. Their hearts have been purified by faith. They've been called by the name of Jesus. The Bible says, Upon whom His name was called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things, knowing, known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, here goes His final sentence. My sentence is that you trouble not them which from the, among the Gentiles are turned to God. Trouble them. He said, but that we write unto them, we're going to send a letter. Here's what they need to do. And these weren't even rules. These were a part of the Noahic economy, the covenant of Noah. Uh, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols. Okay? Don't go back into idolatry. And from fornication, sexual immorality, and from things strangled. All right? Say Amen. You know, make sure when you eat the food that they've been killed properly. Okay, not just strangled. And what? From blood. Don't drink blood. He doesn't say keep the Sabbath day. He doesn't say keep the feast. Are y'all with me? He doesn't say you need to be circumcised. None of that. He says this is what we're going to say. All right? Abstain from idols or keep themselves from idols. Fornication. Uh, things strangled and from blood. Don't drink blood. Now listen, my friend. That was under the covenant of Noah. The Gentiles, there was always underneath that. 
They were always responsible not to worship idols. Always responsible not to drink blood. Always responsible to obtain from things that, uh, you know, make sure things are killed properly. You understand what I'm telling you today? Always responsible not to be involved with sexual sin. Always. And so he said, that we're going to carry that part. We're going to bring Noah's covenant in here on this, not Moses' covenant. We're going to talk about David's tabernacle, not Moses' tabernacle, because it's fulfilled. The veil of the temple has been ripped from top to bottom. It's open. You can walk right in the presence of Jesus Christ for yourself. So, we're not going to tell them, we're going to tell them this is what they need to do. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day, then pleased it the apostles and the elders of the whole church to send chosen men of their own company, Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas and Silas, chief men among the brethren. So now they've had this conference in Jerusalem, this theological conference, they're going back to Antioch with the good news, with the letter in hand. Ooh, isn't that beautiful? And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles, the elders, and brethren said, Greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain... Look at this. You need to see this. Verse 24. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. He said, we never sent them. They were just name droppers. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded, their, they've given their life for the, name, for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, ye shall do well. Fare you well. He's not telling you if you stop doing this, you're saved. He said because you are saved, you need to, to uh, abide by these. Okay? So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered them all two together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Isn't that beautiful? Saved by grace. Through faith. And that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Your new birth is not a work of the law. It is a work of grace. You understand that, correct? And you're not to add, you don't add these other things to it. Let me close by telling you this. You cannot keep a law that wasn't given to you. If you try to keep a law that wasn't given to you, you will become a sinner. What are you saying, Pastor? In closing, a man, there were certain things written in the Mosaic Law to women.
certain laws govern women's lives that a man can't keep. So if you're a woman, I mean, if you're a man, you can't keep a command that's given to a woman. There were certain commands that were given to Levites. Okay? Certain laws given to priests. But if you were a Levite, you couldn't keep the commandment that was given to a priest. And if you were a priest, you could not keep the commandment that was given to a high priest. Because it wasn't given to you. In fact, for you to try to keep a commandment that wasn't given to you can bring judgment of God on you. I'll give you one example. His name was Uzziah. Isaiah saw him high and lifted up. Uzziah was a king and he wanted to offer incense like a priest. That command was not given to that king. And when he walked in there trying to fulfill a command that was given to the high priest, God struck him with leprosy. You cannot keep a commandment that wasn't given to you. In fact, if you do in some cases, it will bring a curse on you. So I end with that. And I thank God for the grace of God. I said I end. i gotta, I got to add one other thing to that. The four things that they listed there for the Gentiles to observe, Gentile believers, is a part of the economy of Noah. Going back to the days of Noah. That's always been Gentiles' responsibility. Okay? That doesn't mean that you're free to break the moral law of God. As Paul said in Romans chapter 6, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So grace doesn't give you a license to sin. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So it doesn't give you a license to sin. Romans 13 tells you that when you come in the kingdom, you're still responsible to obey the moral law of God. And obey authority. Say amen. amen. Having said that, when you get saved, your life will produce works. James says, show me your faith by your works. When you really are a true born again believer, you will have the works of obedience to the Word of God in your life. That shows that you are saved. Show me your faith by your works. That has, that's how it works. Okay? It's not that you're working for salvation. It's because you are saved. Now that salvation is producing obedience and morality and obeying God's Word in your life. But it's not keeping the typical shadow things of the Old Testament uh, ritualistic regulations. It is the moral law of God. Say amen. So, God bless your heart. I love you. Praise the Lord, I finished just in time. Boy, it doesn't get better than that. I got two minutes, so I'm going to keep talking to you. So when you come to the cross, watch this, the law of Moses. I'm in the law of Moses right here. I'm walking in the types and the shadows. You with me? Types and shadows. I come to the cross where Jesus Christ hung. Those regulations, those ceremonial types ended at the cross at His death. But there are some things from the 
law of Moses that went through the cross. And it's still for us today. And it's recorded in the book of Romans, 13th chapter. And read, read through that and you'll see what I'm saying. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Come on, somebody. Those passed through the cross. But circumcision stopped at the cross. You got it. So now you should, you should be able to understand. But you are saved by the grace of God. So now, hallelujah to the Lamb. God bless your heart. I appreciate everybody that's here. Some of you have not yet been baptized in the name of the Lord and filled with the Spirit. The grace of God is offering it to you. And I guarantee you, once you experience the new birth the Bible way, your search will be over as far as salvation. Until you experience this, you will run from church to church to church to church to church. But when you get this, you'll say, I found it. I love you. Let me pray for you. Father, in your name right now, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you, God, that by grace, that nobody in this service this morning can do anything to add to what you've done, Jesus.